So what do you think people should be doing for better mental health during this, this crisis? To really focus on the four pillars of mental wellness. One is we have to put some energy into sleeping properly. Secondly, we must eat smart. If you eat like real lively foods and you have a different glow and an energy to you. Number three, figure out a way to stimulate your mind and activate your body. Figure out new ways to stimulate your mind and have fun. What uh, gives them joy? fun and pleasure. And last but not least, connection is so critically important to one's mental wellness. Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw and welcome back to the Vibe Show. Today I am excited to interview Dr. Joseph Yi and it's a former tennis teammate of mine, shout out to Shannon Mangum, who reached out to me and she said, you know, you've done like content with holistic dentists and a holistic veterinarian. I've even had a holistic eye doctor, so many different ones. She goes, well, we need, a, we need to hear from a holistic psychiatrist. She goes, and I follow one who I think is really amazing. Um, Dr. Yi graduated from UMDNJ Robert Wood Johnson Medical School, and then he did a psychiatric residency at Cooper University Hospital, and he was working in the heart of Camden, New, New Jersey, and he was working with very difficult cases of psychiatric addiction and detox patients, and while there, you guys will recognize this name, he worked, um, he apprenticed under the New York Times bestselling author and my friend, Joel Furman, MD, um, on nutritional therapy, which I think is really exciting. And I, I can't even imagine how many other professionals Joel Furman has, has influenced by being inside the system, but helping, you know, someone who's going to be working with people on their mental health over the course of a whole career to understand the, the critical component of their nutrition. And I bet that Dr. Yi is going to tell us that uh, there's very, very few of his colleagues who even get into that. So he's, a, he's an expert in addictions, uh, behavioral health. Um, and so I just want to welcome Dr. Joseph Yi to The Vibe Show. Robin, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's really an honor to be here. And um, I'm, uh, I know you've had a very busy day, so super grateful to be here and connect with the audience. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. And I'm a, I'm a former psychotherapist myself, and we talk a lot about content like that. And so I'm really, I, the only person I could think of I know who does holistic psychiatry is Kelly Brogan. Based on where you are, I bet you know her. The queen. You mean the queen of psychiatry? The queen of holistic psychiatry. Yeah. So I'm glad to know there's another one. If there, I don't know how many of y'all there are, but she's, she's, you know, really been a lightning rod and there's lots of criticism of her. And so I'm curious, what, what was your background? I mean, I guess you went to traditional medical school and you probably felt like if all you did is prescribe psychotropic meds that you, you were failing your pa patients in some way. Did you start that way? I'm, I'm curious, how did you come to holistic psychiatry? Yeah, that's interesting because um, when you go to medical school, everyone has to take internal medicine, surgery, gynecology, pediatrics, um, and psychiatry is part of the curriculum, but there's nothing that says holistic psychiatry, you know? Um, so uh, just like with Kelly Brogan, um, I came into the system learning to prescribe medications, learning about diseases, right? Yeah. And I guess at some point, uh, things started shifting when after about two, three years of medical school, I'm kind of questioning, when am I going to start learning about healthcare instead of disease care? <laughs> you know, that's a famous line from Dr. Joel Furman. And um, I remember, Robin, there was this course called Biochemistry of Nutrition. And I'm thinking, finally... Like, I'm going to learn how to eat properly and teach clients and patients how to uh, take better care of themselves. But then, like, you learn things like, okay, this is what a, a, a fat triglyceride molecule looks like. And when you eat foods that have fats, this is what it breaks down into, these triglyceride molecules. And you need to memorize the structure of this triglyceride molecule for your exam. And I'm thinking, like, how is this going to serve me or you or my clients, you know? it would make more sense, right? To teach people how to eat healthy fats that are found in nuts and seeds 
and uh, omega-3 fatty acids. Um, if you're vegan, I guess uh, there's plenty of different ways of getting uh, those kinds of fats. But I guess that's the beginning of me questioning the system. And um, yeah, I, I, I would say that in, I, had a, I interviewed Kelly uh, from my Instagram live and we had a great time getting to know her. And she said that she had about an hour a week in her, and she went to Cornell medical school. I wasn't as smart as her. You know, she went to Cornell. Ooh. But I went to Rutgers Robert Johnson Medical School. And I would say, Robin, about less than 10% of our curriculum was on wellness, you know, functional medicine, how to heal. It was always about masking symptoms. Um, the damage is already done. And now what do we do? So um, graduating from medical school, I, I got to be honest with your, with your audience. They deserve the courtesy of the truth that I really didn't learn anything to help people from medical school. Wow. Maybe in residency, uh, maybe in residency, I learned about medications to help people detox because in Camden, New Jersey, it's, um, you know, it's a huge uh, substance population there. So heroin and crack is big, big in Camden, New Jersey. So I learned how to detox there. But um, like you mentioned before, it wasn't until I read uh, Dr. Joel Furman's book, uh, Disease Proof Your Child. Now he's known for that book, Eat to Live right? That's the New York Times bestseller. That's the one that put him on the map. But right. it was this book that I ironically didn't do very well called Disease Proof Your Child that a friend of mine uh, bought for me for Christmas. And I'm like, dude, I don't even have kids. Like, what the hell is this? He's like, just read this book. Like, this will teach you what you need to know. Like, it'll get the journey started on holistic wellness. And so Dr. Joel Furman was the guy that uh, interestingly pulled me out of the matrix of the mainstream narrative of healthcare or disease care, rather. Well, you were still really open. I mean, if you were 20 years into your career and very, very entrenched in what makes you a living and any, any shakeup of that would be a potential loss of decades of your, of your career and your reputation, he must have gotten you really green. And so you were kind of wide open to practicing psychiatry a different way. Do you, do you still like every day see patients and prescribe psychotropics or, or you just do a lot more? Yeah, I, um, so I work about three days a week now. And uh, to answer your, your social media is uh, growing. And I noticed that in one hour of speaking on my social media live, on my Instagram live, I could influence. Um, last night I was on and I think 53,000 people showed up total. So in one hour, I could influence 53,000 people versus one client. So social media, to, to be very clear, isn't making me a dime. But um, my purpose is to create change, uh, create awareness, um, help people take better care of themselves and forget money. But uh, the karma usually comes back a good way when you keep your intentions pure. So um, it, I love doing it. And, and so as a result, um, I'm only working about three days a week. To answer your question before about medications, yes, I still do prescribe some medications, but you have to understand that I inherit a lot of clients who had some serious mismedication and overdiagnosis from other doctors that screwed up. You know, it's, it's all interesting, Robin. Like people go see a psychiatrist, they spend about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes with them and they trust their life with this new doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and the doctor goes through a checklist and basically says, oh, you're, you're feeling depressed. You lack motivation, things that you used to have pleasure engaging in. Um, you're not sleeping right. Uh, you're having um, a lost an appetite, you're feeling guilty and irritable, well, you must be depressed based on this symptom checklist. So here's Prozac for you. And um, I guess that's kind of where it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, it's certainly possible that someone could be coming in because they're not feeling good as a result of sleeping very poorly. They're eating very poorly. You know, you're the green smoothie girl, right? So <laughs> if people don't eat right, they're going to feel like garbage. Um, they connect with very toxic people. Um, they're not going to feel very good too. So there's, so holistic psychiatry is like, you're looking at the person as a whole. And the problem that I have with mainstream psychiatry is that you're looking at it from one angle, which is the symptom angle. You, know, you feel depressed. Oh, so we have to give you a medication that helps with your depression. So um, I've always felt that symptoms are a way of your body communicating to us as far as like, you know, our body doesn't really speak language, right? The only way it could communicate with us is through feelings. So if you're feeling very tired or angry, irritable, depressed, anxious, they're all forms of communication uh, from the body. So I'm trying to help my clients recognize that, that 
um, try to connect with your body and understand what the heck is going on before you trust your life with another doctor who spends 15 minutes with you and decides that you are labeled with some sort of a medical condition, which may or may not be true. Yeah, I bet uh, your job has changed a lot in the last six months. I mean, there are obviously plenty of addicted folks and plenty of depressed folks before, but now there's this whole new set of challenges as just about all of us are feeling instability in our lives. We don't know if our country is stable. We don't know if our income is stable and whether we can count on it. We're worried about food stability heading into uh, the winter. How's that going for you having to treat all these people? And, and you probably don't know what's happening in the future either. What's new in the last six months for you? My goodness. Well, can I, can I answer that by starting? Because um, you're a big tennis fan, right? I, I play 4-0 tennis. Uh, yeah, exactly. 4 yeah. Yeah. Damn it, Robin. <laughs> Wait, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How are you feeling the this US Open situation? Does does it feel a little odd that um Serena hits the down to line winner and it's dead silent? You know? <laughs> Is that because nobody's there? I've I've seen very little of it. I've had a crazy week. I, I got I ran a protest here in Utah. I got married. It's my husband's 40th oh, wow. birthday. It's been crazy. So I've hardly seen any of the U.S. Open. He was watching, he was watching it for five minutes last night. That's almost all I've seen. Yeah. You know, more than ever before, I believe in energy and uh, it's like empty, not just physically, like literally, but um, you know, on a spiritual metaphysical basis, the, the energy is just off and um, it just goes to show you how important the human connection is. And when I used to watch the U.S. Open and the crowds were cheering, even like I'm a Roger Federer fan, I'm kind of anti-Djokovic and uh, just the crowds cheering and going back and forth. I mean, it it riles you up. It it makes you feel alive. And that element is um, definitely missing for sure. So so they're playing the U.S. Open with no audience. It's all televised. It's televised, but like you have your coaches there. And you might be able to invite like two of your homies, you know? Yeah. So you, you, like, I don't know, uh, Dominic team could hit like a crazy one hand backhand out of line. And then you hear like three people clapping. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre, but yeah, it's, this whole thing has um, taken the world by a storm. And my frustration along with my curiosity, Robin, is why isn't mental health or mental wellness being brought to the forefront because everyone's feeling uneasy right everyone's feeling uncomfortable these days and everyone's confused and we don't know what to believe there's data coming out saying that this is very dangerous and there's other data coming out saying that hey 99.96 wait let me repeat that 99.96 percent of the population who get affected by this conquer this thing so technically team human has a 99.96 percent winning percentage and we're led to believe that this thing that has a 0.04 win percentage, we need to be scared the hell out of this thing and um, uh, take these drastic measures to not lose to this thing. Like, like imagine if, if you were going into like, um, if you had to bet on a cage fight between like Conor McGregor and he has a 99.96% winning percentage and his opponent, you know, has a 0.04% win percentage. I would choose to believe Robin that you'd like to put a hundred bucks on Conor McGregor. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's why a lot of people are very confused and um i think people are kind of questioning the mainstream narrative like what what's really going on what's their agenda here so that's where i'm at right now it's, it's very confusing yeah we've interviewed every everybody from judy mikovitz to bobby kennedy and everybody in between and i i sort of abandoned normal programming which is everything a high vibration life that was what we were doing and for a few years before this happened and i literally just abandoned the normal programming and have reached out to all the people who have something interesting to say about what's really going on i can't i i cannot believe and haven't been able to believe for months that Mm -hmm. this is even about a virus it's just keeping virus fear at fever pitch and in my opinion it's just a, a battering ram or a Trojan horse for a political agenda and 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 this is the most complex and biggest hoax I think ever pulled on the American public but uh, since you have that opinion I mostly want to talk to you about holistic psychiatry and what what you're seeing with addiction and and any words of wisdom that you have because I know that my audience is struggling 
Um, yeah. But talk to us about masks. You know, we're having a war here in Utah. We're marching on the governor this Saturday over putting all of our children in this crazy dystopia. And his excuse is, his excuse is, well, it, it was either that or the teachers union was going to strike. Uh, right, right. And I don't believe that really. I think he, he was under a lot of political pressure. I think he's really subverted um, from what I've mm -hmm. seen, watching him very, very closely the last six months and wondering if he's ever going to stop this insanity. But what, what do you think the psychological consequences are for adults of masks and anything you want to say about the kids too? Yeah, um, man, what, what do I start with? What I try to tell my clients is that, because I still see clients... Um, we give them the options at Modern Behavioral. It's a group practice. It's a holistic uh, group uh, behavioral health practice in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And we give our clients the option of coming in or not. And some clients come in, but they still wear the mask in front of me. In fact, I went to see my father for the first time about uh, a week ago. And I haven't seen him in like five months, Robin. And he was like eight feet away from me with the mask. And he's 80 years old. So I could be understanding of that. Um, but what I usually try to tell people is that, you know, the, the pores and the mask, this is nothing new. This is nothing original often, but the pores and the mask is a lot bigger than the size of a potential virus. And so, you know, I think Dr. Rashid Batar um, gave this analogy where can you like, it's like trying to catch a baseball with a hula hoop, <laughs> yeah. you know, or try to cage flies, you know, with a fence. Like it's, it's not going to happen. So why are we uh, forced to wear this thing? And my, forget the, um, the, the health consequences, but let's talk about the psychological consequences here. So what I'm seeing is that when you wear a mask, it increases, um, you know, social distancing and isolation, right? Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it programs within us subconsciously that um, our neighbors, our loved ones can potentially contaminate us. And when we get contaminated, we could kill our family and our loved ones. So there's this underlying fear that's being programmed within us. And this increasing fear and discomfort around our loved ones, uh, unfortunately, leads to more people being comfortable with just being comfortable. And we, of course, know that in order for you to be successful in life, and I'm not defining success by making a lot of money, but just having the amazing quality of life that you, you uh, seek, you must be willing to move towards your discomfort zone. You see all these success psychology guys like Tony Robbins are always saying things like, um, you know, in order for you to have the things that you've never had before, you must be willing to do the things that you've never done before. So if you're always in your comfort zone, uh, in your parents' basement, I mean, you're only going to go so far in life. You got to step out into new territory. And obviously, when you do so, you're going to feel uncomfortable. And that's the only way that you could achieve something new in life, some, something amazing in life. And when you're feeling uncomfortable, it's like a good cue that you may be in a, good, uh, in a new direction to achieve something new and amazing. Now, obviously, I'm not asking people to stick their hand into fire. That's uncomfortable. Like, you're just going to burn your hand and lose the ability to move your hand and stuff like that. But uh, there, there has to be a, a person cannot be successful in life without overcoming some level of adversity. And what I'm seeing now, Robin, in my client's health, my clinical experience, is that more and more people are just home playing video games. Um, they're not really hanging out with their friends as much. Like, some people are still kind of doing that. But uh, I'm seeing this trend of more people just staying home, having some virtual calls, but then that's kind of dying down. That's not as fun or um, as magical as like the human connection, like really being there in person. So I see a future, if this continues, of more and more people being isolated and anxious and just comfortable with being comfortable and not willing to venture out to do, into new territory to achieve something new. And um, that's the big problem that I'm seeing uh, for a near future. So what do you think people should be doing um, based on what you're seeing in the last six months? What should they be doing for better mental health during this? Every time somebody says it's a pandemic, I feel the need to explain to them that our, the pandemic is not our problem. The ridiculous reaction of everyone almost to the pandemic is the problem. But yeah. however you want to put it, what should people do for mental wellness during this, this crisis? Yeah, in my opinion, Robin, this is the greatest overreaction in the history of mankind. Um, and basically what I would recommend to everyone that's listened to this is to really focus on the four pillars of mental wellness. 
And I talked about it on my uh, recently started YouTube channel about how the, the four basics here. One is we have to put some energy into sleeping properly. You know, there are a lot of people that are up all night checking their social media, um, playing video games, whatever they're doing. They have some more free time now. They're out of work. So people are on their phones way, way, way too much. And uh, of course, we know that the Blu-rays uh, from, the light, uh, from the phones is going to mess with your sleep and your melatonin production. So people are, I, I'm seeing a lot of people not sleeping properly. So first steps first, uh, we have to sleep properly about six to nine hours a night. Uh, optimally, the target should be somewhere around seven to eight. So uh, let's, let's focus on our sleep hygiene. Uh, secondly, as I'm sure you know, we, we must eat smart. Um, one of the things that I love about what Dr. Furman always says is uh, never diet. You know, the, the word diet is like so unsexy, right? Uh, diet is so unsexy. It just has the word die in it. <laughs> so yeah, instead of- temporary. To, yeah, yeah. And, and we could learn to eat smart and there's ways of doing so. Um, having said that, what I- it, it, you know, there's people who are nutritarians, they're, they're the vegans, the keto guys, the paleo guys, like everyone has their different views. I don't believe one diet fits all, it's my opinion. But I think we all must agree that we should try to stay away from fake foods, right? I mean, even if you're a vegetarian per se, um, I, I know vegans that eat like all this processed vegan stuff. And it's like, or, or, or uh, the keto guys, and they're eating all these like patties, meat patties and stuff. And so my general rule of thumb, because I want to just keep it very simple for my clients, um, is to learn to eat real foods. If you want to eat meat, eat that meat from the bone, eat the chicken from the bone. Um, try to eat more foods that are alive. Because if you really look at think about it, Robin, like if you if I put a cracker in, in, in one, one hand, and then I have a sliced strawberry in another, you can look at it and be like, one's dead. And the other one seems to have some level of life in there. And mm -hmm. if you keep eating the dead stuff, you're going to feel a certain way. And if you eat like real lively foods, then you have a different glow and an energy to you, right? So it's absolutely critical that we eat real foods, like almost like, a, I guess, the caveman diet, like eat something that came from the earth that even back in the day, people could have eaten. Um, so that's number two, uh, eating smart. The problem with the recovery community is a lot of people, they stop using a drug or an alcohol and they think they won the battle and we all know that recovery is a very active process so for some reason when i start talking about nutrition um these the, the guys in the recovery community don't want to hear it. you know they're still smoking <laughs> they're still eating like garbage and they just think that hey i stopped using this drug so i'm good no 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 because we are you know that's saying we are what we eat i mean that's that's a in my opinion i think that's a complete crock of horseshit um we are what we ate. So if you've been eating like garbage for 20 plus years and all of a sudden you have a blueberry, you know, a bowl of blueberry uh, fruit salad and you think you're healthy, that's not the case. You are not what you eat. You are what you ate and what you have been eating. Mm -hmm. So to try to convince someone to um, revamp their, their, their eating style is very, very, very challenging. So I try to keep it very simple. If they cannot or if they're not willing to commit to that, then I at least suggest that they take a supplement, some form of an extracted nutrient to help them get um, what the body needs to function properly. And last but not least, um, I'm sorry, I, there's two, that was number two. So number three is we, we have to, our body was meant to move. And there are so many people that are very stagnant and they wonder why they're depressed all the time. And they believe that they have a Prozac deficiency, which isn't the case. They don't know how, <clears throat> they don't know how to have fun with their mind and their body. So I used to say exercise, but now I'm saying figure out a way to stimulate your mind and activate your body, figure it out. And I think you know for sure that like, when you play tennis, don't you feel amazing afterwards? Maybe not when you lose, but. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I was just talking to my husband today about how I almost feel like quitting tennis for a while just because I get so frustrated with my tennis teammates who wanna talk about masks and quarantines and how scared they are of a virus. And oh he's, my goodness. Like, he's like, you can't because it's those, it's both those things. It's not just exercise. I do exercise at home. I have equipment here at the house. I can always get in the cardio, but he's, it's also the stim stimulation. What did you call it? The 
you know, mental stimulation as well. Yes, exactly. Stimulate the mind and uh, activate the body. So, I mean, you can stimulate your mind by um, experiencing new things, right? So if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, at a certain point, your mind's going to get bored. Imagine watching a movie that you know the ending to over and over again. That gets, that's going to get boring after a while. So you got to figure out new ways to stimulate your mind and have fun. You know, uh, I'm a big believer that the opposite of depression is fun. So I've, I prescribe fun. And, but it's interesting, Robin, like a lot of people don't know what they want, you know, what, what excites them. So a lot of what I do in my practice is not um, medicate people, but to help them explore what uh, gives them joy, fun and pleasure and help explore that angle. So uh, number three was activate the mind, uh, stimulate the mind and activate the body. And last but not least, this is the big issue that we're, we're uh, facing today, Robin, is that we connection. Connection is so critically important to one's mental wellness. We all know, like you could be eating right, you could be exercising, experiencing new things, you could be sleeping right, but you have that toxic dude that you're hanging out with all the time, you're going to feel like shit. So uh, I'm a big believer in cutting out people that, you know, do like a cost benefit analysis of a relationship. And if someone, you know, there could be someone who doesn't make you feel the best, but you stand to gain a lot from that relationship, like a business relationship, so on. So if the net is agreeing, okay, this person might be worth being in your life. But if all the person does is put you in the red zone where they never have money, so you always have to spot them, uh, they, they don't inspire you, they don't really um, help you become a better person, and you're always feeling more negative after you hang out with them, that's, that's a toxic relationship. So it's not just connection with other people, but uh, connecting with yourself. You know, I'm a big uh, believer in meditation, at least one minute a day. Everyone can meditate at least one minute a day. Um, so connect, that's an opportunity for you to connect with your, your true self, your spirits. And um, also for those who believe, you know, connecting with the higher power as well. So connection is absolutely critical to one's uh, mental well-being. But unfortunately, Robin, um, we're facing a situation where connecting with other people is not allowed in certain parts of the world. And you get uh, punished very heavily if you do so, especially in like Victoria. Oh my goodness. Uh, have you heard about this, this oh, nonsense, yeah. Victoria, Australia? Oh, it's, it's terrible. That's, they seem to be like the pilot program for some things. Did you see the video of the woman who got arrested and taken to jail, a pregnant woman right in front of her two little kids for planning a protest? Did you see the one with the two elderly lady getting arrested? These two no. elderly women in the park and like six cops uh, surround them and Look, I have friends in the law enforcement. Not everyone's like that. But uh, these guys in Victoria, I mean, it's getting pretty serious out there. And a lot of people in America don't know about it. That's the thing. This isn't like world news here. <laughs> a lot of people, when I ask them if they know about Australia, they have no clue. So it's, yeah, uh, my heart goes out to the, the beautiful people in Australia. They don't deserve this. So going back to what we're talking about, yeah, connection is, um, we're being disconnected from connection. And that's uh, that's a big problem in our country. So if, if um, you're living in an area where it's hard to connect with other people, I would say that at least do a face-to-face call with someone instead of um, just doing a regular phone call. At least seeing, like, there are studies that show that when you are connected with another person face-to-face, the, the connection the, the, between the two is, is better. The human bond is better. Um, if you're living with loved ones, I would ask everyone listening to at least give all your loved ones uh, that you feel comfortable being around, right? Um, at least a 12 second hug per day, 12 seconds, because studies have shown that uh, 12 seconds is the minimum amount of time um, required for two people to uh, share their love vibrations between one another. So my wife and my kids, we hug each other every day for 12 seconds at least. And it's amazing. It's like a simple thing like that just makes people feel better because I'm used to doing the homie, the bro hug, right? It's like a two second, hey, what's up, brother? Quick yep. hug. Um, no, no, not that. We need to hold each other for 12 seconds. And initially, it might feel a little bit weird, but for the meantime, we, we have to learn to adapt to the current situation. And connection is so critically important that I'm asking everyone here to meditate for at least a minute, um, connect with the higher power. And uh, with your loved ones that you're living with, give everyone a 12 second hug. I love that. I'm gonna like actually time it and see what a 12 second hug is really like. I'm not sure anybody besides John gets 12, 12 second hugs from me, but there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a I had a psychologist come to one of my protests, and she had prepared some comments. I had seen what she was saying, and I reached out to her and asked her to speak. 
And she talked about how difficult the last six months have been for her husband, whose love language is physical touch. And people think that those with a high need for physical touch, that it's all about sex. And they, we think of men when we think of the, who, who needs the most physical touch. But what she said is, she said, don't, you know, kind of set that aside. He wants to shake people's hands. He likes to, he's one of these guys who will go up and he'll put his hand on another man's shoulder and stand yeah. and talk to you with, mm-hmm. with touching it. And there's, you know, there's ways that, that men will touch women that are completely non-sexual, but he needs lots of physical touch and he's starving right now. I'm starving too, girl. (laughs) I mean, I'm with that guy. I mean, that's my love language too. I love the human touch. And um, I think my daughter is like at a point where she's just like, dad, like enough's enough, like get away from me, (laughs) you know, (laughs) cause she's cute. She's only 10 years old. My son's seven and um, I love hugging my kids and kissing them and stuff like that. And you know, after a while, they're just like, Dad, you're embarrassing me. I'm like, I need that human touch, Sophia. So um, I, I, I'm with that guy, Robin. I feel that guy. Yeah, me too. I have found at, um, I remember when we walked back on the court after two and a half months of not being allowed to play tennis, and one of my tennis teammates came up to me, who's a retired medical doctor, and she said, is it okay if I hug you? And I started to cry because I realized wow. right now how much I miss hugs, but also wow. something broke in my heart when she asked me if she could give me a hug. Yeah, I know. Um, and I wish I could have hugged my father when I saw him last week. Are you aware that I got banned on TikTok? No, I'm not, I'm not on TikTok, <clears throat> but what, what, do people get banned on TikTok? Oh my God, well, it's a, it's a Chinese app. So th- these guys are serious. They don't mess around when it comes to censorship. Oh, yeah. So um, if I could just explain this to your audience, I don't mean to bore your audience, but this is actually a very, very important point. So right now on Instagram, I have about 160,000 people who actually care about what I have to say. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much. But on TikTok, I had over half a million kids, right? And so this is a great opportunity for me to um, unbrainwash the kids to the truth of healthcare, right? Not disease care, but healthcare, Mm -hmm. how to take better care of yourself. Um, And I would say things like, hey, kids, does it make sense that... uh, you know, a, a vaccine usually takes about seven to 20 years, you know, depending on the vaccine to, to manufacture and produce from start to finish. And uh, they're, they're making this in about a year. What do you guys think? Boom, bad. <laughs> just for I, that, you just I, did a little video saying, do you think it's okay that we're fast tracking a vaccine? What do you think, kids? Well, if I could be truthful with you, um, you know, I am a psychiatrist, so I'm playing these mind games, right? So I'm trying to stay under the radar with the Chinese. Uh, because censorship, a lot of people get banned. They don't even get second chances. It's just like, boom, not even a warning. So I'll put in like little messages here and there. Like, hey, does it make sense that uh, we're being locked down for um, this virus, quote unquote, that's killing 0.04% of the population? It's mostly the elderly population. Of course, they should be um, taking more um, careful measures. But for, there's not a single case, at least that I know, of a child infecting um, a school teacher, right? So does it make sense? So I would raise questions. I won't say this is bad for you. This is good. This is bad. I would say I would pose it into question because we all know that when someone could reason for themselves and come to their own logical conclusions that this is what I believe in, they're more likely to act than me saying, hey, don't do this or do that. So I always like to ask these questions. And so I think the Chinese were catching on to it. And the last time um, I went on my uh, TikTok live, um, talking to a bunch of uh, teenagers and just bringing this topic up. Like, hey, is it, does it make sense that Moderna, um, this uh, vaccine company that's already in stage three clinical trials, is, is my last understanding of this. Like, does that make sense that this uh, pandemic situation happened, uh, it, it began in March of 2020, and they're already in phase three clinical trials. And every phase clinical trial takes a, a few years. Like, does that make sense? So. The Chinese were not happy about that. Boom. So half a million um, followers gone. And the reason why that hurts, Robin, is because it's a lot easier to influence someone with a, um, a developing brain, <laughs> a developing mind versus someone like my father. My father's 80 years old. So me trying to explain to him some science is like, hey, you know, everything that you're seeing in the Korean and the mainstream news um, it, you have to question that. And he's like, are you out of your mind? I mean, the news says this, so it, it has to be true. So it's very hard to influence the older population, but 
the kids when I preach on, on my TikTok live, they're like, oh my God, I didn't really think of it that way. And then so I felt that this was a great opportunity for, for me to awaken the, the youth of America and, uh, and some people in the UK and Australia that were following my accounts. So um, that's why like this thing is, is, is so sinister, Robin, that um, what I'm speaking facts, this isn't even conspiracy. This, this is facts that a vaccine takes many years to produce and they're, they're doing this in record time and I get banned for things like that. So uh, I'm more convinced than ever that there's some greater agenda going around. Um, I don't know exactly what that is. Maybe it's political. Maybe it's uh, one world government. Uh, you know, it's, it's still up for debates. I'm not 100% certain, but something's definitely not making sense. I think whether you're on one side or the other, the mass side or the anti-mass side or so on, one thing that we have to agree upon at this point is that we're not being told the full truth. That's the, where I stand firmly on. I think that you put together a pretty complete picture if you pay attention for quite a long time to what is getting banned, to what exact kind of content is getting banned on all these different social media platforms and how they're all banning similar content. I mean, they're, there's, they're not all identical. For instance, I know that a few months ago, Twitter banned all content on food shortages that are coming up. Which, really? Yeah, which is crazy. I don't, I don't know that any of the other, other ones have, but if you literally talk about food shortages or post content like that on Twitter, people are getting banned. I yesterday posted a video of a Canadian driving in a little island in Canada, but very close to the Portland border, uh, where he's driving down the road and there's like a hundred Chinese troops. And wow. I posted that on my personal page on Facebook and I, it's, that's not my public figure page and it's not the green smoothie girl page or any of our private pages that are much bigger, but my personal page is still like 9,000 following plus the 5,000 friends. So I posted on there, not, not anywhere else, not on my big pages. And two minutes later, the link had been removed and I was banned for 24 hours. Wait, we talking so, about Facebook or IG? Facebook. Really? If you start to make a list, like a physical list of all the kinds of content that's being banned, then a really clear picture comes together, I think, of, of what the political agenda is. And then you could kind of start to make inferences about why from there. But I'm, I'm really discouraged to hear that TikTok banned you like that. And you, you had 150,000 followers there. Oh, no, no. Half a million. Oh Half a million. Yeah, that's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I work, I work my tail off to, to win the, to earn the trust of the, of the kids, of the teenagers. Yeah. And there's some adults there too, but I really liked, um, I have a very uh, youthful personality. If you ever check out my social media, like I'm, I'm pretty out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoyed uh, connecting with the kids and, and I definitely missed that for sure because it was a tremendous opportunity for me to awaken the youth of, of our country. But, I, hey, I'm going to post about that. I'm going to post about your experience of getting, about getting banned because I don't really know people who are on TikTok. It's way outside my, my realm. Um, we're mostly on Facebook. We have a presence on all of them, but I personally am really involved with, with Facebook. And um, we've, been, we've been censored um, and we've been sanctioned a number of times, my theory is. And it's based on some things that some former Google employees have said, but I believe it's entirely possible that all of us influencers who are speaking up, especially on the vaccine issue, since you mentioned that, mm -hmm. and I've been heavily censored for my comments about and sharing information about vaccines, but I think they're going to deplatform all of us right before the vaccine comes out for the obvious reasons. So we yeah. need to prepare for that and get on the freedom platforms probably. Or, or, or like a telegram, something else. Maybe your, uh, your Facebook could be about wellness. And then um, on the telegram, we could talk about more of the right. stuff, the truthful stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've sort, of, I've sort of sectioned off my followers so that the people who just, you know, who were like yelling at me, like, we don't want to hear what you have to say about the, the virus, Green Smithy Girl. We just want recipes about healthy living. So they're on Green Smithy Girl. And I do, I still, and now I speak up. At first, it was 54% of my audience um, in my weekly polls said that um, they supported the economic shutdown. And within 10, well, within eight weeks, it had gone from 54% to 6%. So my audience was pretty quick to wake up. They're almost, you know, like well over half were uh, not at all seeing what was going on in the beginning. And, and I, you know, I, I think we can forgive people that. It was, it was very confusing to have the media go so hard 
um, about this whole virus story that so much of it has turned out to be false. And yet people, you're not just your dad. My, my in-laws are the same, like whatever the, whatever the news tells them is as close to fact as you, as you can find. Like I just literally have never entertained that the media may be being used for instance, by 50, 50 to 70% of the dollars that flow into mainstream media for advertising, et cetera, is from pharma. So and, and also, like, I'm sure you talked about this with plenty of your guests, and you had some really amazing guests um, about just like health foods to help build up your immune system, right? I mean, if this, this thing is that dangerous, then um, I would imagine that the media would like to educate the public on how to protect ourselves through natural means. Never. Like, Never. So we don't have to get into all the health foods, and we could go on and on about that, but if I could go over a couple of numbers that I think is very important for people to understand about this whole substance abuse and uh, mental health situation that we're involved in. Um, you know, on a global scale, Robin, about 800,000 people die from suicide a year. And they're estimating that that number is gonna increase about 20 to 30% in the US alone. Um, increase in firearm sales, drastically. Um, suicide, I'm sorry, yeah, like the suicide hotline, um, calls are up about 800% already. Um, alcohol sales since uh, March, the, since the, this whole uh, pandemic began, pandemic, pandemic, uh, are up about 250%. You know, why, why are we not, how is it, I mean, this is old news at this point, but how is it that a liquor store is an essential business? Now, a lot of people who like drinking their wine, they're, they're going to hate me for saying that, but I'm just being real with you guys. Like, how is that an essential business? And then I have a friend who's a real estate agent and he can't show a couple a home, you know, at least in the beginning of this whole situation, but the, while the liquor stores were open, you know, it, it drives up a lot of different emotions in me. I'm trying to contain my composure <laughs> while I'm talking to you, but um, what's going on right now is um, not fair to the American people and the people on a global scale. And we really need to focus more on this mental health, um, the silent epidemic, I would say. Um, substance abuse is on the rise, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, you name it, you know, that's all on the rise. And our practice is very busy. Uh, we're, we're grateful to be able to make a living, but people don't know what to do right now. And when they're feeling uncomfortable, the easy thing to do is to go back to their old patterns that used to make them feel better, that gives them some level of instant gratification despite the long-term pain. So that's why this alcohol situation is like drastically on the rise. A lot of my former clients that have successfully detoxed from alcohol and they've been um, alcohol-free for 1.5 plus years, you know, great job, right? And uh, of course, the 12-step the meetings were closed and, and there were a lot of like virtual meetings that just didn't do the same as when you're with other people. Um, the liquor stores are open, they're feeling really lousy, they don't have a job, they're stressed about money, they have to look at their kids in the eye and say, sorry, but I'm not gonna be able to buy you this. Uh, I know I promised you, but you know, we're having a tough time. So when that happens, what do people do? They initially want to master pain. You know, people use a drug or an alcohol always for a reason. Um, it's either to feel better, to alleviate pain, emotional or physical, or to enhance performance of some sort. So when people are in uh, emotional pain and they want to feel better, it, it's no wonder why so many people gravitate towards a drug or an alcohol to feel better. And that's a, a big issue right now. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's hard to talk about, but I totally resonate with what you say that people are always using those substances like alcohol and a lot of people are telling me that they're using more alcohol than they did before they're either doing it to feel better or to mask pain so if you're listening to this and you're using some kind of substance or some kind of food i hope that you'll sit with this and ask yourself or am i doing this to feel better am i doing this to mask pain and if so you know is it really working for me you know what, how, how's it going for you the next morning? How's it going for the weight gain and all that? What, what kind of help do you offer them, Dr. Yi, those who are um, suffering with addiction? And like right now, I'm sure you could work seven days a week because there's so much demand <laughs> for services. My goodness, yeah. Uh, but, but I also have to take time for, for time with me, right? That connection with myself and take time for me and my, and my loved ones as well. So, okay. So he, here's something that I would ask all your audiences to consider, right? So if you don't feel very good, what happens is you go to see a psychiatrist, let's just say, right? And say, I don't feel very good. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. And then the psychiatrist says, have you heard of, you know, this medication, Lexapro, Prozac, you know, all these medications that are out there. And the thing is, 
people have to understand that these medications um, affect this. Uh, okay, so the SSRI class, right? You've heard of the, the serotonin, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Yep. So medications like Zoloft, Prozac, Paxil, Lexapro, so on. These medications do not, do not contain a single molecule of serotonin in there. So serotonin is this neurotransmitter that's responsible for the feeling of joy, love, um, positivity. You know, when you're in love, your serotonin's spiking up. Um, dopamine. Dopamine is a very popular neurotransmitter. Um, that's the neurotransmitter responsible for the sense of, um, of pleasure, motivation, and focus. That's why you have this medication like Adderall that stimulates the release of dopamine and norepinephrine. Norepinephrine is another neurotransmitter that's responsible for a sense of alertness. Mm -hmm. And uh, when people take a medication like Adderall, where there's like an ADHD epidemic in our country, apparently. So a lot of people are prescribed these um, medications. And I will say that some people do benefit from it. Some people have like really, really bad like attention issues. You don't have to be a psychiatrist to know that someone has some serious attention issues. So maybe temporarily a medication could be helpful in some way. But generally speaking, um, I'm noticing that a lot of people are over-medicated, misdiagnosed. And I asked those guys um, to think about this, like where does dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, endorphins, where did these neurotransmitters come from? Because these medications do not contain a single molecule of any of these things. They just go and do things to your brain and you know, manipulate the system. It comes from the foods that we eat, that we choose to eat people's, you know, and uh, trying to convince someone to eat like two bags of pumpkin seeds so that they could, they could get a, a solid dose of tryptophan <laughs> in their diet. So tryptophan, of course, is, a neuro, uh, is an amino acid that gets uh, converted to 5-HTP in the body through the help of a B-complex and magnesium. And then that in turn gets converted to serotonin when there's light outside. And now when, there's, when it's nighttime, then serotonin gets converted to melatonin. And we need you know, tryptophan as an amino acid to help us sleep properly too. Um, dopamine, that's another, um, is a neurotransmitter that's responsible for pleasure and motivation and focus. Um, just a sense of emotional wellness. But where does dopamine come from? It comes from the foods that we eat. <laughs> you know, it doesn't come from Adderall, it comes from the foods that we eat. So when I try to convince someone that they should start taking foods that are rich in, um, in tyrosine, tyrosine is the amino acid uh, that's, that your body needs to produce dopamine. In conjunction with tyrosine, you need like a B-complex, um, which are found in uh, green vegetables. You also need magnesium um, that are found in nuts and seeds. So when I start going over all the foods that people need to eat to optimize their neurotransmitters, they start getting mad at me because they're like, well, how do you expect me to eat all this shit? And it's like, okay. So then I came up with this idea to start... Um, implementing supplementation. Now, I'm hoping that we all could agree that eating real foods is better than taking, like eating a, an orange or a strawberry to get your vitamin C is a lot better than taking a supplement that has vitamin C in there, right? But if you're not willing to do um, eat properly, then I believe that it's better to supplement than to not supplement. And what I've noticed that with my clients is that when I start recommending supplements for those guys that, that are not willing to totally revamp their diet, but maybe make a 20% improvement on real foods versus fake foods. And then I ask them to take a B complex, take some 5-HTP, uh, take some tyrosine along with some magnesium. They start feeling better. They're, interestingly, their medication works better because now they actually have more serotonin and more dopamine in their system. Um, I've also noticed that people who are in the recovery community, when I give um, you know, these cocktails of supplements, their cravings and their urges from my clinical experience have drastically uh, decreased. Their frequency and intensity of the thoughts of the drugs have drastically increased. So um, the problem with that, however, is that people don't wanna carry around 10 to 15 supplements in their bag <laughs> and take it in the morning and take it in the afternoon. And that became a problem and it became very costly. So. Uh, recently, my, me and Dr. Furman, actually, and two other doctors, uh, two other psychiatrists came up with a, a cocktail of these ingredients. It's nothing new. You, know, you could buy these individu uh, individual ingredients separately. We just made it easier in combining into one bottle and having like a breakfast uh, multivitamin shake for the mind. Um, so that's something that I think would be, whether people decide to go on to Beyond Recovery or not, um, they should definitely look into certain supplementations particularly tyrosine, 
5-HTP, um, B-complex, and magnesium. If anyone has issues with mood, um, they're in recovery, um, that's something that could make a tremendous difference in their lives. We'll make sure and put a link to your, to your supplement in the show notes. Um, so it has all, does it have all of those things in it and in taking it once or twice a day is appropriate? Like, so that you, is your body using it at all the right times? If you're taking it all together as magnesium, B-complex, 5-HTP and tyrosine? Yeah, there's, there's probably about like 11 other ingredients in there that I didn't mention. And, you know, I, I was looking at your website and you talk about detoxing, right? And uh, I've taken 20,000 people through a 26 day detox and it's entirely plant-based and it has different you know, phases where we, you know, go deeper and we go deeper and we go deeper. Got to start with the GI tract. So we clean out the colon first and I, all, I, all I, food and practices that I think you'd approve of. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's the thing. If people have been eating like garbage for 20 plus years, let's just say, and then they start eating like some health foods, that's not impressive for me. What's more impressive is you detox, get the bad stuff out first so that when you put in the good stuff, they actually have some real estate space in your body to do the work that they're supposed to do. And um, so many people have very toxic um, ingredients uh, filled in their body all the time. And then especially um, people who are like most, you know, on poly um, medications here and just eating toxic fake foods. They have a lot of toxins in their system. So I absolutely encourage people to do a detox first. It's actually better to do a detox and cleanse the body first than to start just eating right and have all the bad stuff in their system. So I'm super happy to know that you're, you're encouraging detox. But having said that, uh, with Beyond, the name of the supplement is uh, Beyond Recovery. And basically, we added about um, seven ingredients in there to help facilitate cleansing of the body. And I agree with you, Robin. It's much better to do a program like yours, right? When you actually like are with the people and you're helping them step-by-step step of how to detox properly. But there are a lot of other people, Robin, that are not willing to do that. It's not that they can't, they're not willing to do so. And so it is my belief that it's better to give them a supplement um, for, for the people who are not willing to, that could help cleanse out their body than not do that at all. So that's why in this, um, this cocktail that we produce, it's called Modern Detox. It's like a new way of cleansing um, and not to underestimate anything that you're doing. I would fully support that what you're doing is a lot better than taking a supplement. But for those people who are not willing to or who don't have the time or they have m multiple different reasons why they cannot do something, there's a collection of ingredients that could help cleanse out your body, uh, like chaga mushroom, for example, nigella black seed oil. Um, and then there's also the ingredients that help promote neurotransmitter synthesis, specifically dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins, which are the big thing which are the three big key um, neurotransmitters that we're seeing in mental wellness all the time. Well, I'm excited to try them. I think I want to try both of them. We could all use, we could all use an emotional health boost these days. And I'm really glad that you're helping people with these, uh, these nutrients that are missing for so many people, you know, ahead of, I'm, I'm sure you asked them to do that before you put them on a, on a psychotropic, even though some of them come to you already on a psychotropic, right? Exactly. Um, You'll be, you know, you'll be amazed, Robin. There are people that come into my practice saying that, hey, I don't think this is working out with my former psychiatrist and I'm on 12 medications. <laughs> and then, Robin, check this out. I would do a thyroid test and the thyroid levels are all jacked up. So they go from 12 to two in a matter of like two weeks. It's amazing. Some people have this thing called a MTHFR gene mutation. It sounds really bad, but a lot of um, people globally have this, especially if they struggle with mood. And that's basically a condition where your body doesn't know how to process folic acid properly. So, um, you know, uh, the, the treatment for that is not more psychiatric medications, but activated methylfolate, which is activated vitamin B9. <laughs> Some people are vitamin D deficient. You know, their levels are like 10. We're supposed to be somewhere between like 30 to, to, to 49 or 50 or so, according to Dr. Furman. Um, and when people are vitamin D deficient, they feel tired. They feel lack of motivation. They feel depressed. Uh, vitamin D is important for the synthesis of dopamine. You know? So it's amazing how so many people come in. I check their levels and their levels are all jacked up uh, or off. And it's a simple correction. And all this time, their body was screaming to them, anxiety and depression, <laughs> poor focus. And that was a communication saying, 
the way you're taking care of yourself is totally out of whack. So my job is to help investigate uh, the core root of what's going on. I see medications as like a form of a Band-Aid to, to mask a wound. And sometimes a Band-Aid isn't necessary. If you cut yourself and you're bleeding, it might be good to put on a Band-Aid to slow down the breathing while you investigate why you're bleeding in the first place. So while people like you are doing the true healing work, because doctors, any schmuck doctor could prescribe a medication, but you know, it's very rare that we find someone like you, Robin, that, that's really going out there to try to heal people, right? So um, I have so much more respect for the healers of this world, the therapists, the nutritionists, the, the yoga coaches. You know, um, these guys are the ones that are really creating um, changes and empowering people to become their number one doctors, not some schmuck MD like myself, <laughs> although I'm a different kind of MD, to really empower themselves to help them become their number one doctors. That's my mission, and I think we're on the same page with that. I agree, and I've really enjoyed learning from you today. Um, give us any last words of advice for our audience and tell them where they can follow you online. Oh, thank you for the, uh, the plug. <laughs> so uh, primarily, uh, my social media channel um, – that I invest the most of my time on is uh, Instagram and it's uh, Joe Yee MD. It's J O Y I M D. Um, and that's where I talk about some of the, not only recovery, mental health, but about some of the sciences behind this whole, you know, global pandemic situation. So I think people could find a lot of good information. I think the difference in my channel compared to some of the other guys is I make it entertaining. If that even makes sense. I, um, I do a lot of skits with my daughter, with other people, and it's a good way of inspiring hope and emotion, such as laughter and courage, um, to help create change than to say, hey, these are the stats. <laughs> Don't believe this, believe this. You know, that's not how I do it. I, I, I present a little story, and um, I usually get some pretty good traction, uh, and people seem to respect that. So that's, um, people find me there. Um, as far as the supplement line, I, I appreciate the opportunity for, for a plug here, but it's called Beyond Recovery, beyondrecovery.com. Um, there's a guy named Brandon Novak, who's the leader of the recovery movement, and um, he's working with us as well. So um, we're super thrilled to be able to work with some really amazing people, including Dr. Furman, you know, to, to bring this out to people. So beyondrecovery.com. And final words, uh, I'm asking everyone to please, 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 Try to learn to become your number one doctor. You know, you have to be the CEO of your healthcare, not some doctor that you meet for 10, 15 minutes. I believe that if you do have a relationship with the doctor or if you're starting a new relationship, you should allow a doctor to earn your trust. Isn't it amazing that people give out trust for free? <laughs> you know, it's like you got to allow someone to earn your trust. And how did they earn your trust? By giving you results. So if you do a detox with Robin and you feel better, then I believe it's only fair that you trust Robin more. And if Robin says, hey, um, eat more bananas and kale because it's good for you, um, you should listen to her. You should, you should allow people to earn your trust, not just give them trust for free. And until you form a, a partnership with your doctor, you know, because a doctor might know some medical stuff better than you, but you are ultimately, you have the PhD in your own life experience. No one knows how you feel and what you experience better than you. So it has to be a collaboration. So if you see a doctor who thinks they know more than you and saying, you got to do X, Y, and Z, one, two, three, without listening to you, that's not the right person for you. If you could find someone who you could form a partnership with and be, um, do research together and try out different things, what works and what doesn't, what works for you, um, that's a great relationship. And if that person's helping you achieve results, then I only believe it's fair that that doctor or that professional um, earns more of your trust and then you could um, have that person as a consultant on your wellness journey but ultimately you are the ceo of your own destiny and your own healthcare. Mm, that is so empowering so everyone listening i'm going to put in the show notes if you haven't done the green smoothie girl detox i'll give you the link to that because we definitely have people coming to us even though we aren't like actively out there promoting it right now we always have support online for it but um, you can jump into the Green Smoothie Girl Detox because every day we have people saying, don't you guys have something I could detox? I want to feel better. Usually it's they want to feel better emotionally, um, but also physically. We don't want to be dependent on, there's a theme lately on my show, we don't want to be dependent on Western medicine right now. It is not a great time to have to be in a hospital or seeing a doctor if you can, if you can stay well. But I'm also going to put links to the two supplements 
one that you said will stimulate the body's uh, production of dopamine and serotonin, all those uh, feel good, the happy hormones. And also your, um, your, you, you talked about two different supplements. We'll, we'll get the links all lined up. We'll put them down below. Um, and thank you so much. I hope that you get your TikTok audience back. I'm just like <laughs> thunderstruck by losing a half a million people at once. And, and, and I'm, and I'm sorry that, you know, China is involved in, in the, the censorship game, but, you know, definitely go appeal to them. Cause I know some people have been able to get their channels back, but we're, we're rooting for you over here at Green <laughs> Girl, Dr. Yi. Thank you so much, Robin. It was an honor to be on your show. And um, thank you, the audience who, are, um, who, who allowed me to have an opportunity to have a small little voice in your life. Thank you so much for, for listening to this. <laughs>